episode three. Yeah. Can you believe it? I can't believe we made it to episode three. I know. It's kind of crazy, actually. I know. It's fun. I know. We're having fun. We hope you're having fun. Yeah. That's the whole point of this is to have fun, honestly. Like, it's not about anything else. It's definitely not about the murderers, even though we're talking about the murderers. It's more about, let's bring awareness to these issues. Because, yeah. you know, if you listened to last episode, there were some issues that we brought to light. Yes. So, like mental health, etc. Actually, in this one that we're about to do today is about a lot about mental health as well. And I think we're going to find that in the types of crimes that we cover. Yes. Because as we go on, we don't really know who we're going to cover, but they may be murderers, they may be not. Yeah. And but we all know that they are See you next Tuesdays. This is See You Next Tuesday, the podcast. Yeah. They're all cunts. Yeah, this is true. (laughs) I mean, and if the criminal or murderer is not a cunt, there will be a cunt somewhere in the story. That's the point. Yes, absolutely. So, without further ado, I'm actually going to be doing the uh, murderess today, the mother who murdered. And I'm going to be doing the mom that's winning in life. I'm Amanda, by the way. I'm Jessica. Thanks for joining us. Um, All right. So, my murderess today is Susan Smith. We've referenced her in the past two episodes. We actually have. And we've danced around her for a while now, actually. A while, two episodes. Like, it's been ten years. That's a lifetime. Yeah, it feels like a lifetime. (laughs) Anyway, um, so Susan Smith, honestly a big part of my childhood, in a weird way. It was 94, 95. And I remember... Here we go. I was um, elementary school age, so that's how old I am. Oh, you're so sweet. Yeah. I was not in elementary school. Yeah. I'm not going to say where yeah. I was. We're just going to move on. We're so, going to move on. <laughs> anyway, um, elementary school age, and I remember the, the feeling I had after hearing about her was like, holy crap, parents can kill their children. That's insane. It's actually scared the shit out of me. Oh, totally. I, I mean, as a no child, idea. hearing that, why didn't your parents not turn the news off? That was all we had. Like, the news was, like, something that wasn't 24 hours, for one, and, and you always watched it. Like, every night. It was a 5 or 6 o'clock news. One of those two. Yeah, you watched it while eating mm-hmm. dinner, and mm-hmm. then you, we watched Wheel of Fortune afterwards. Yeah, there was a Wheel of Fortune, especially if Grandma and Grandpa were over. That was a big deal. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, it was kind of just part of your world. But I remember it was just like such a chilling moment to realize that these people that I'm living with, my parents, hold enormous power. Like I had no idea that that existed. So yeah, anyway, Susan Smith, um, just a frame of reference. Here are the sources. I found um, American Justice, A&E, YouTube, (laughs) like an old school um, YouTube uh, link. For um, this, which I'm just pulling up, which is why you're hearing that noise, um, where they, it's, what was it called? Uh, American Crime, I believe is the name of it, with Bill Curtis, which, I mean, Bill Curtis is a legend. Wasn't Bill Curtis the guy who also did, um, let's see here, it's called Susan Smith Story and uh, a Mother's Confession. And it was on American Justice. American Justice. Yes. Do you remember this show? I do. Vaguely remember it. Like, I vaguely remember it. Like, I couldn't 
tell you what I watched on it. Right. But I remember it being on. Bill Curtis. Okay, wasn't he also Unsolved Mysteries? Wasn't he also Unsolved Mysteries? Because no. there was another guy who took over after him. Or am I thinking of somebody else completely? I don't know. Okay. Okay, maybe Bill Curtis was just American Justice. You keep talking, and I'll tell you in a minute. Okay. She's going to go to the Googles. But, um, yeah, so I, I found a YouTube video of that for this. Um, the U.S. National Library of Medicine, National Institutes of Health, a um, actual, like, research doc. He was Cold Case Files. Cold Case Files. That was, that's what it was. I knew it. I knew he was something else that w was in our murder world, true crime world. So, okay. Um, and there's also some other articles here, which I will reference later because I don't want to, like, get too into it because it kind of give away what's going on. Um, but anyway, let's go back to 1994, which was, let's talk Clinton years in America. We're talking, what else is going on in 94? A lot of terrible floral patterns. There's still like the big shoulder pads from the 80s. Big hair? Big hair. Scrunchies. You're welcome, Gen Z. We, we invented did scrunchies. the scrunchies first. Thank oh you. my God. I I just boomered them. Yeah. Oh, I, I did too. And I'm, oh, I'm a millennial. I'm no. not even a boomer. 100%. I'm not that old. I'm not a boomer. <laughs> no, but I mean, it was a very, that all the looks that are coming back today, mom jeans and shit, <sighs> like are all from that era. Anyway, so we're going to go first to the day of the murder. Okay. Come with me. Union, South Carolina. The, the. The town motto is Hospitality. City of Hospitality. It's a small town um, known for textile mills. Um, really not much happens there. It's one of those towns. You know, it's just it's it's outside of Columbia, far enough away to where, you know, that's the biggest thing going on is Columbia, the big city up the road, right? Um, so 3.30 p.m. on October 25th, 1994, um, Susan Smith is working at Conso Fabrics as a secretary, okay, and um, she left that day at 3.30, and she was upset because her boyfriend, Tom Findlay, he's the son of the company owner, broke up with her, okay? Now, she's separated from her husband at this point. She's 23. Her husband's name's David, and they have two kids, Michael and Alex. So is this a fabric manufacturer or, like, a fabric store? Manufacturer. Okay. So they're known for like these fabric manufacturing mills in the in the town. Like there's a bunch of them. She works at the Conso Fabrics one. Okay. Um, so 3.30 p.m. She's like, F it. I'm out of here. Fuck this shit. I'm pissed. My boyfriend, the owner of the company, you know, broke up with me. I'm going to pick up my kids at daycare. She goes. She picks up her kids from daycare. Um, her son, Michael's three. And she has a... a Okay, this is the most annoying thing, and I'm sorry, parents, if you get mad at me. I don't, I don't have kids. One year and one month, 13-month-old Alex. Okay, can I just ask, why after a kid is a year old do y'all still do the 16, 18, whatever months? Not you, but I'm saying parents. I don't know. It's just something we do. It's annoying. <laughs> we do. Until they're like two. Ugh. Why? It's a year. He's a year one. He's one year, one month. Or he's, he's over a year old. Just say, oh, he's over a year old. Why do you have to say, like, he's 24 months? Shit, how many months am I now? 3,000 and... <laughs> <laughs> anyway. You're old enough for the podcast juice. That's, that's all that true. matters. This is true. 
So she picked up her kids. She's still pissy. She goes to a bar and she hangs out in the parking lot and talks to a work friend. Okay. Um, I don't know if she drank. I don't know. I mean, I, it probably, I may have missed it in the documentary that I watched, but she was hanging on a bar talking to her friend about, you know, her boyfriend breaking up with her. She's a little pissy. Um, then she went back to the office with her kids to talk to, try to talk to her boyfriend, Tom again. Um, and it obviously it didn't work. He was like, I'm out. We're done with this whole shit. Um, six o'clock. Now we're at six, right? So it's between 3.30 and six. She's doing all this stuff. She made dinner, uh, pizza for the kids. And then she called her friend back at the tavern again that she was just at to say, hey, have you seen my boyfriend, my ex-boyfriend, Tom? Is he there? No. She's like, okay, whatever. Now we're at 7.30 to 8 p.m. Okay, so she's like, fuck it. She's like, I'm going to go drive around with the kids. Okay, she put them back in the car. Um, and she thought, maybe if I drive around the countryside, um, I can just calm down and clear my head, but obviously can't keep, leave my kids alone. Um, and then she was like, you know what? Here's a Walmart. I'm going to go into the Walmart and go do some quick shopping while I'm here. So tell me, as a mother, does this make any sense to you? Right no, now? it's 8 o'clock at night and yeah. her kids are 3 and 1. Yeah. No, they need to be in bed. Okay. Hands down. Okay, because I'm thinking, I get why your kids are with her, you know, because she's like, I'm not going to drop them off at mom and dad's house or whatever, but, like, I, I agree. I think, like, you know, surely you're like, I need to put my kids down. It's hard to get a babysitter last minute. I get that. If you're pissy, I don't know. I don't know. What's another option? Call your friend, chill out, wait till the next day? I mean, if she's upset and she needs to take some me time, then she needs to drop them off at... Mima and Papa's house where they can go to bed and she can take her nighttime drive through the country. And clear her head. Yes. Okay, got it. Okay. So if, that's if, what I'm thinking. If there is no Mima and Papa, she needs to put him to bed, sit her ass on the couch, and drink her wine at home. And then there's that. Yeah. She does not need to be driving around with those kids. A, she's upset. And we all know we don't drive well when we're upset. No, we don't. And B, they need to be in bed. Your kids, yeah. Okay. Sorry if you let your three and one year old stay up past eight o'clock. I never did. I mean, that's why I'm asking you. I don't have kids, so I'm like, how does this work? Because the other thing is, is like, there's what you're saying is there's options. There's other yes. options besides what's happening here. Okay, got yes, it. Yes. Yes. So she went to the wall to go do some shopping. She got back on the road to drive to a friend's house. Okay, that's what she's saying. Went to on road, she's like, forget it. I'm going to go talk to my friend and chill out with them. According to her, right, she stopped at this tra traffic light behind Monarch Mill Textile Plant. Okay, so she's at this traffic light. Mm -hmm. And then a black man with a gun came up to her side window and told her to drive. So this motherfucking dude comes up in the car and she panicked and she was like, oh my God, okay, whatever. I got my kids, whatever you need, whatever you want, right? Uh -huh. Now, go with me on this. Go with me. I'm going with you because I know the story. I know you do. I know. Um, so, for those that don't know, it's about to get real fucking crazy. And I myself didn't know the full story of this. I just knew, like, the ending. I didn't know the full story. So, anyway. This is what she said. He said, drive east on Highway 49, away from downtown. And he had a gun with him. Um, 
he had a gun at her ribs and her kids were crying. Um, after about 10 minutes, he said they reached the access road to John D. Lake, John D. Long Lake, excuse me. The man told her to stop the car and get out. That's a long time for him to just drive with them in the car. Yeah. So, according to her, what's going on is this guy is basically saying, drive around until I tell you to stop. He finally tells her to stop at John D. Long Lake. She does. He gets out. I mean, that's or a really... she gets out. Sorry. That's a really long time. Like, if you're just carjacking someone, that's a long time to drive around with the people in the car. Normally, they just tell you to get out and they take your car. Right. And then if they're going to kill you, like, let's say, hypothetically, they know they know who you are and they're going to kill you, they just... They do it. They do it. They're not going to drive around for, what did you say, 10 minutes? It, well, another 10 minutes later, so I'm assuming... I'm going to go with 20 minutes Yeah, here. yeah, that doesn't sure. happen. Well, and also, like, who are you? You know what I'm saying? Like, she is a secretary at a textile mill. It's not like she's going to jump in the car with two kids and go, this is worth it, and then I'm going to kidnap the kids for what money? You see what I'm saying? Like, if she were, like, if she were the daughter of the owner of the textile mill company, I could see him kidnapping her, those kids, because he's going, oh, the dad's got a ton of money. I'm going to play this game, and let's say somebody knows she's dating the owner, or let's say they're mistaken and think they're married. Okay. If they're going to kidnap them, they're going to kidnap them. They're not going to drive them around town for 20 minutes. Right. Or, like, I just want the car. I would want, if I were a kid, like, a person who just wants to steal a car, I'd be like, get the hell out of the fucking car so I can take the car. I don't want you or your kids. It's a whole lot of drama I don't need. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to play this game, and I'm going to say that none of those things are going to happen. Right. Okay. So, anyway. Yeah. So, that's what happened there. Okay. We're at the lake. He told everybody to get out. Then he put the gun to her side, and she pled for her children. Again, this is all according to her. Um, But the man pushed her out of the car and drove off with the kids, Michael and Alex. So then she was, like, hysterical. She ran from the lake, yes, Uh as you would, Uh to the nearest Uh house. I'd be hysterical. Of course. Crying for help, right? Mm -hmm. So she is upset to the max. And she's just like, I can't, I can't do this. This is insane. This guy just took my kids. He just took my, like, my whole world, essentially. So now I'm going to play for you the audio of the 911 call that the people at the house make. Okay. Okay, so bear with me here. Did he have any weapons, gun, anything? He's got a gun. got a gun. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so... He's got a gun, yes, ma'am. So this guy who's answering, who's calling the cops, is the owner of the house. Okay. Obviously not her. I mean, she doesn't sound like that. Um. So he's got a gun. Later on in this transcript, let's just see if it gets to it. Within minutes, Union Sheriff Howard Wells was on the scene. Okay. So as we, uh, the oh, he's got a nice stash. Oh God, yeah. And the in the comb over yes. is on a point, my friend. Also, we hear the illustrious Bill Curtis in this clip. Again, this is Annie's documentary, not mine. 100% theirs. Um, I wish I had a documentary. That'd be amazing. Um, but anyway, so the owner of the house calls the cops. In uh, I listened to another 911 call, more of it. It stretched out. It was like, what's he look like? Oh, he's a black man. Okay, so he's a black man. And they go into that. Whatever. So Sheriff Wells 
was on the scene. He notified the FBI and the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division. It's basically like a state police um, unit that was dispatched. So I believe that that's very common to call the FBI when a missing children case happens, right? Yeah. Because state lines and, you know, all child trafficking and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's what I thought. I just was like assuming it was like kind of an order of operations that you have to do. Sure. <laughs> I, I mean, I forgot to go to the police academy this week. I mean, you remember <laughs> to get your psychologist degree last, last week. week. Yeah. I forgot that was on my to-do list this week. No thanks. <laughs> anyway. I, my so. day job was really hectic. Um, <laughs> they wouldn't let me off for the police academy. Oh, God. I just, you know, I wish Police Academy was like the movies because it'd be so much more fun. And my day job is the cunts this week that wouldn't let me go to the Police Academy. Sorry about that. Sorry. Michael Winslow was there. It was really great. Anyway. So then the, okay, so this is whenever David Smith, her estranged husband, so they are not divorced. They're just separated at this point. Um, He gets involved. He rushes to her side because, I mean, his kids are fucking missing. Um, and he said that she was hysterical. Okay. So later that night, we're still the same day, October 25th. Um, David called his dad and his dad said, well, shit, essentially like, he's like, I would have held on to the bumper, you know, to make sure that these people don't get away. I mean, they have all my freaking kids. Like, yeah. I mean, he's like, I would have done anything, you know? So it's, he said that his dad is saying that it's kind of weird Thinks it's a little strange that this guy was like uh, essentially allowed to like get away with the kids. Okay, so it's kind of a first impression that his dad's getting. Um, he didn't really believe that they were kidnapped. Um, her husband obviously felt differently, and everybody believed her story. I mean, everyone was like, "Yeah, that makes total sense. This is what's going on." So, their town comes together. They're looking for the kids for nine days. So we're going to talk about the nine days now. This nine day period between. Oh my God, this black guy took my kids and nine days later. Um, five days before the kids disappeared, I'm going to go back in time now. Sorry for the jump. She pondered with a friend that, and I'm quoting here, I wonder what life would be like if I didn't have kids. So, oh, that's, who says that? I don't know. Do, do, have you ever felt that way after having kids? No. Okay. Okay, my kids are 18 and 13. So in 18 years, I have never said I wondered what my life would be like without kids. Right. And that's after after having kids, which kids are hard. Kids are fucking hard. It's not an easy experience. No. So it's unusual for someone to say that. Yes. Okay, yeah. That's why I was like, okay, interesting. I mean, I've threatened to ship them away, (laughs) but I've never said... I could take you in, brought you into this world, I could take you out of it. That was the one I heard. I mean, and they were fighting last week, and I may have said over the back of the couch, hey, y'all, I'm researching a lady who drowned with her kids, you better watch out. <laughs> watch out. Oh, don't call CPS, y'all, I'm kidding. Yeah, right? Um, so a nationwide search is on to find her car, right? The idea is, if we find the car, we'll find the kids, or at least we can fingerprints evidence, whatever. We need to find this freaking car. So it's nationwide. Um, the state police chief, Robert Stewart, ran the state investigation. It's very common. They investigated um, Susan and David. Again, very common. I mean, of course, you look to the people closest, inner circle, and then go out, out, out. Because, unfortunately, as we know, being true crime fans, most of these crimes happen with family members, friends, acquaintances. Um, Amber Alerts are often 
the, the parents non-custodial parent exactly who's pissed off that the other person has custody or whatever and it's unfortunate but it's it's true it's reality it makes sense why people look directly oh your husband or your wife whatever so um and they wanted the description of this man because obviously like it's a manhunt they're trying to find this dude this black guy who like took her kids so there is a complication in the description that she gave them in that it is extremely generic shocking yeah it's it's literally like a black guy he looks like this he's got these eyes this mouth this nose whatever and it's like well that's literally like every. basically every black man like what what are you talking about or every man in general like he has a nose oh really like you know oh he has gee. a nose let me guess he has two eyes too right exactly so i did some a little bit of research here because i remembered this weird thing called the the cross race effect cre so this is where the National Health or Mental Health National Library of Medicine National Institutes of Health document comes in. It's uh, face recognition is a well reciprocated, nope, well replicated finding that people are better at recognizing faces from their own race relative to other races. So in other words, it's easier for me as a white person to to distinguish between Katy Perry and Zoe Deschanel, even though they look very similar. Whereas if a black person is looking at those two girls, white girls, they'd be like, they look the fucking same. Yeah. The same thing for us looking at black faces or people of color faces. It's a really interesting effect that people of the same race can better identify the nuances in other people's faces. Okay. So it's not uncommon, her generic description of a black man, because she's a white woman. Oh, okay. 1994, not sure how much cross-race effect was really studied. I'm going to go with not at all. Not at, not at all. Yeah, exactly. And um, I just think it's really interesting that it's not, it's an interesting thing, but also the bullshit detector, your intuition is also a very strong source of information, Yeah, as we all know. So, yeah, I mean... I get that that's a real thing. Yeah. But I'm also saying, like, she's, I mean, I would think that she'd be like, oh, he had a scar. Like, you were in the car with him for 20 right. minutes. Right, right. He had a scar. He had a shaved head. Or he, he had an earring. Right. Something. He had a tattoo. Something. Exactly. To go, this guy is different from everybody else, and here's why. Right. Completely understand. So I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt. Okay, fine. Cross-race effect. Maybe that's what's going on here. Sure. So the police and everybody else is pretty slowly starting to catch on that her info was false. And they also try to be really delicate. This is according to what they're saying on this documentary, what uh, Mr. Wells, the sheriff, is saying. is He's trying to be delicate because there is a cross-race. There are, you know, black community and white community in, this, in South Carolina. And he said he was trying not to create like a racial component here because he's like it, it wasn't about race it's about finding this person's kids right but can I go out on a limb and say in 1994 in South Carolina mm. are we in South Carolina yeah okay. 1994 South Carolina those two communities did not intermingle very often mm. let's let's say that Look at where we are right now, and it's still fucking horrible for people of color. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're not that far out on a limb. You're you're in the tree at this point. So you're on the ground. I'm actually going to give <laughs> Sheriff Wells a whole lot of credit here that he was aware mm. and did not want to immediately blame it on the person of color. Yes. And say, we're going to cause a shitstorm within the african-american community right because they're yeah now i also feel that way but i'm also i'm 50 50 on him because again this is him saying this in a documentary after it's happened so he's gonna of course put himself in the best possible light who the fuck knows what actually really happened in right. that he may have been a total or not not cared as much as he was saying he cared true but i appreciate that at least he said there this racial component is unfortunate because it's not, it, it shouldn't be about race. It should be about the person committing the crime, essentially. That's what really is the matter here. So anyway, there's that. Um, and then there was this great interview with this, like, white uh, reporter who said, like, eventually they had to pull the composite sketch of this black man from the press because it was biased. Like, they were, like, they were realizing they were creating more of an issue having it up there then taking it down, they're like, we can't, we can't keep doing this. Even if it's the composite sketch, sketch, it's just so a white woman is blaming a black man for doing this thing. You know, it's such a historical trigger in our country. Yeah. Very common that the frail white woman, you know, oh no, is being aggressed against by this big, scary black man. And yeah, it's unfortunate. It's disgusting, really. Um, so... So you're saying Susan Smith is the cunt? I we don't know yet. We don't know. It's just it's just gives off a very like racial vibe that we're not really sure why that is. You know what I mean? It's like okay, well, she's saying it was a black man. We're gonna go with her on this. As a cop, you follow the lead. Okay. Period. That's okay. what you do. Okay. Cool. That's what she's saying. Cool. All right. So with all this is going on, this is within that nine-day time period. People are searching for the kids. They're putting up flyers. They're doing the tie a yellow ribbon around a tree. That was a very big thing back in the day from that song in the 70s. Tie a yellow ribbon. Don't you know. I'm doing it. Don't I'm doing it. it. I did it. No, we don't own the rights to that song. We don't. We didn't pay for the rights. She did not just sing that. And I clearly sang it, like, perfectly. You did. It perfectly. was amazing. But... It was awful. You did not hear her sing that. <laughs> we didn't pay for that. So that was a thing that people used to do for, um, not just for military members coming back, but like missing people, right? I remember, yeah. Remember that? It was mm -hmm. really big. Yeah. I remember it was like all the time yeah. where I grew up. So, okay. Um, and then, of course, this became worldwide news. This was a massive news story, right? So, um, so she went on the news. Uh <laughs> couple of days after this happened. Okay, so we're going to listen to this little clip of her on the news. Return of their children. I can't sleep. I can't eat. I can't do anything but think about them. And, she has some confidence here. I just want to hug them so bad. And tell them I love them. So that was her on camera in front of people. Her husband is right next to her, David. Yeah. It was a very interesting moment. Those were crocodile tears. They looked very fake. They looked very, like, I'm doing the noises, I'm moving my mouth, and making the cry sound, but there's no tears happening. No tears. What would you be like if this were you? 
I couldn't have even have gone on camera because I would be so hysterical. Right. Or catatonic. Yeah. I would have been hysterical until I couldn't be hysterical anymore, and they would have to sedate me. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, and the, the people that do, the, the parents of victims and the parents, you know, that do have to go on the news to create enough noise to get change to happen, like Trayvon Martin's mom and all these other parents of unfortunately slain black children are superheroes. Like, I don't know where you find the strength to do that. Yeah, I can't. At all. I couldn't do it. And if I had to, they would have to medicate me Yeah, enough for me to be able to do it. 100%. 100%. And I don't even have kids, and I would, I agree. Like, I would just be beyond upset. Like, it would just be, yeah. So anyway, she, that happened. Um, and because of this, people are starting to get a little bit more of that, like, douche, douche chill vibe where you're like, this is not right. Like, it feels a little weird. Yeah. Like, hmm. So on the second day of the search... She took a, and failed a lie detector test. Now, I'm going to say this. Lie detector tests are not an admission of guilt. They are not a, a, this person's guilty, this person's innocent because they passed or failed. It's literally just meant to give cops a reason to interrogate someone more or try to break them into, into confessing their crime. And it's not admissible in court either. Yeah, no. But, Interesting. I mean, I always feel like I understand, you know, lie detectors, you can trick them, but I feel like if you fail them. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's even harder because sociopaths can pass a lie detector test all day long. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No problem. You just have to believe what you're saying is true. 100%. Or not have any emotion towards it at all. Yeah. Um, But, I mean... I feel like when you fail one, it speaks volumes. Yeah, it definitely doesn't look good. It's not a good look. Yeah. Put it that way. Um, so they, they're at this point, they're like, well, shoot, let's try to get a confession from her. She failed a freaking lie detector test. Let's go. And she became belligerent with them, super upset, how dare you kind of stuff. So then the, the Robert Wells, the sheriff, was like, okay, let's try a different approach. Let's try to be super nice. They didn't call off a search, of course. They kept checking all the leads. And Susan and David at this time are staying in her mom and stepdad's place, okay? Linda and Beverly Russell, okay? So her mom remarried, and now she has a new uh, stepdad. Um, and his dad, of course, is, is saying, you know, this is one of the most difficult times of his life because his grandkids are fucking missing. I mean, you know, it's just not something anybody ever wants to go through or experience or should have to. Right. Like ever. So day three. They found a car that matched the description in North Carolina, but it wasn't hers. So then the divers are, are searching the water of the lake. and So why did they decide to search the lake? Is it just because that's the last place the car was? Yeah, last place the car that was found. So they're like, we're going to do 100 feet from the shore. We're just going to go in and try to figure this out. Maybe maybe we can find like the, either the car or evidence Maybe he threw like the gloves or the car or the uh, the gun or whatever, right? And the FBI yeah. searching there, all this noise. After almost um, a week, right? She decides or they decide to go back on the news and talk again to reporters. 
and oh, she needs to stop. Well, you know, there's there's something to be said for doing this. Like there is a little bit of a okay, it makes sense. Let's bring some national attention to this so we can get as many resources as possible to find my children. Sure, but mm, we'll just let, I'll let you listen. I want to say to my babies that <laughs> your mama loves you so much. And your daddy, this whole families love you so much. And you guys have got to be strong because you are, we, 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 I just know, I just feel in my heart that you're okay. But you got to take care of each other. And your mom and daddy are going to be right here waiting on you when you get home. Okay. So... It almost sounds like she laughed. Yeah, her crying sounds like laughing, which is really upsetting. It's very upsetting. I mean, the first time, the fake crying sounded like fake crying, but that right there at the beginning was almost like a chuckle. Yeah, it was really annoying. Like, <laughs> listen to this bullshit. Yeah. And the other thing is, is like, she is using present tense, if you noticed. Yeah. We love you so much. You all need to stay safe. Everything's present tense. Everything's the kids are alive. Like, she's still... Not showing, she's still keeping the kids in present tense, which alludes to the fact that maybe they are not dead. Okay. Right. Okay. So that's an important little piece. So the cops at this point are keeping, are interviewing her daily on a daily basis. They are not stopping, which I, hey, snaps for that fucking police work, homie. Yeah. That's like some like, hey, look, we need to know more information here. Yeah. Okay. And they started to note some inconsistencies in her statements. For instance, the greeters at Walmart don't remember seeing her. Of course they don't. The friend she claimed to visit wasn't even home that night that she was going to go visit. Of course she wasn't. Right. And there were no, and this is the best piece of police work I've heard of in a hot minute. I was like, damn, y'all, that's fucking great. No other cars, she's saying there's no other cars at that intersection, so there were no witnesses for the guy who carjacked her, took her kids, a black guy, right? Right. Turns out that the light that she was at would only turn red to stop her if there is cross traffic. Of course it would. So imagine that. The cops actually tested out that light to see like, okay, if I were her, you're going to carjack me. How does this light turn red? Oh, it's only whenever cars are going by crosswise for us to turn red at all. So there would have had to been witnesses. Yeah, that's fucking you know good what? police work. If I go missing, will you call that police department and have them come to Texas and find me? Absolutely. Well, it helps that you're a white woman, so that should be no problem. <laughs> should be no problem at all. Like, it was just like, holy shit. Like, so they're poking holes, and so what she does is she goes back and, and rewrites her witness statement to fit. Of course she did. Day eight, right? This is when she changed her witness statement. The media started to swirl around, especially when she started to use past tense now. Oh, now she switched to past tense. To describe the boys. So now the media's like, hmm, this doesn't look seem right. Oh, you got a smart re reporter that picked up on that. Yeah, and they were like, has anybody looked into the mom? This is weird. Because the dad is just sitting there, David, and he's just like supporting her. He's going with her 100% because he's like, oh my God, like my kids are fucking missing. This is, this is my nightmare. Yeah. He's living his fucking nightmare. Yes. So, day nine, they're like, let's go on the news again. So, within nine days, we've got, what, three news fucking things? Yeah. Michael and Dulles. Uh, my first reaction is it, it hurts to know that mm -hmm. um, 
that I would be accused or even thought that I would ever do anything to harm my children. As a mother, it's only a natural instinct to protect your children from any harm. And the hardest part of this whole ordeal is not knowing if your children are getting what they need to survive. And um, it, it, it hurt. It hurts real bad. Through this, David is like a fucking statue. This man is a broken human. Yes. I mean, I would be David. 100%. Yeah. David is how you should react to this situation. Yes. Now, again, this is the horrible part. We're judging how you should and shouldn't react to your children being missing. There is no wrong or right way. No, there really there is isn't. not. No, there isn't. But there's also, again, your own and police in, is police's intuitions that mean something. Like yeah. if you feel like uh, getting a skeevy vibe from this person, uh, it's probably because they're a skeevy person. Yeah, I mean, you know, right? Gut instinct is a thing. It's a thing, and it, it it's reality for a reason. So after, literally, right after that interview, right after she goes with cops, and then she decides to confess. Of course she does. Yeah. So on Thursday, November 3rd, 1994, 2 p.m., she went with the cops. That's when that interview was was done. And she begged Sheriff Wells for his gun. She told him um, that the car and the children were actually at the bottom of the lake. Yeah. So... Divers had been diving previously about 100 feet out. They found the car 122 feet out from shore, eight under 18 feet of water. And this was the most horrifying part, and with a small hand pressed against the window. Oh. Yeah, in the back seat. It was, like, really horrifying. It was. It's honestly one of the worst things that I've ever, like, seen or read. And I was just like, this is... Mm. So she wrote out a full confession at 5.05 p.m., in it, she claimed that she was suicidal, living in, and I'm quoting here, a veil of tears, which I think is a very interesting turn of phrase, a veil of tears. And if anyone's seen that South Park episode, which I freaking love, whenever uh, Butter's mom tries to decide she's going to kill him because she can't live anymore, which is a ridiculously amazing episode, um, it, it it's just like, where did that even... How do you... Go from, I didn't kill my kids, they got taken, a veil of tears. Like, it's just so random. Anyway, so, and she didn't, this is what she's saying. She, not wanting her children to not have a mom because she's suicidal, she was planning to kill all of them, herself and her kids included, right? So all of them driving into the lake. So she said she drove around for an hour to try to get, the nerve up, essentially. She let her car roll down the boat ramp with her inside it with the kids. And she pulled the e-brake. And she was like, shit. Took a moment. She got out. She released the e-brake. And then she let the kids roll into the water. And then the rest, we all know. I'm not going to go more into it. Because it's it's really, truly, it, it just, the tr the victims here are obviously the children. And then, of course, the family members. It just... I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, I just don't even know, like, kill yourself. Leave the kids with David. 
or don't kill yourself and go get mental help. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, there's so many other options. Well, yeah. There's so many. I, I'm yeah, just no, saying, like, I know. if that's what you wanted to do. Right, right. If this is where your head is at, then we need to leave your children out of it. Like, there shouldn't be any of any other victims. It's horrifying. All of it's horrifying. Even her saying, I wanted to commit suicide and I was going to take my kids with me. Like, dude. Like, there's a whole thing there. So, um, Sheriff Wells, uh, that night, made the announcement, and here it is. Susan Smith has been arrested and will be charged with two counts of murder in connection with the deaths of her children, Michael three and Alexander, 14 months. 14 months. Um... <laughs> I just, that, honestly, having these clips is so amazing because, like, you can hear, like, everybody in the yeah. crowd, like, whoa, like, shocked. Yeah. It makes me so mad that she blamed it on a black man. Like, why? Yeah. So, let's reel back now. Her story was that this black man came and kidnapped her kids. I agree. I think it's disgusting and it is white privilege. It's like an easy out for, oh, well, of course a black man did it. Yeah, that makes total sense. Like, that was where her head went, you know? I don't know if she's racist. I'm not saying she is or she isn't. I think it's gross that the white community already has in our heads that the, the black man is a scary individual and therefore it's an easy, it's a scapegoat. Yes. I mean, that that makes me angry that that's what she blamed it on. And, you know, to play devil's advocate a little bit here, it also was 1994. True. I don't think in 2020 it would be such an easy scapegoat that it was in 1994. It would, it would absolutely be more mainstream in the media for it to be noticed and said that, like, this woman is claiming a black person did this and that's bullshit. We don't know, yes. no, innocent until proven guilty. I don't think it would have been ran with. I don't think it would be ran with as quickly today as it was in 1994. Yeah, that's possible. Also, you got to think about like 93, 94, we got, we got Rodney King happening. We got the LA riots. I mean, like shit was getting real and it's been getting real and it's still fucking real and it's not solved. The systems, these racist systems of power are still in power. No, I totally agree 115 million percent. So it's just, it's interesting how, yeah, how that even, it's just another kind of like signpost of, yep, racism, like, here it is. You know, it's just, it's disgusting. Yes. So, this, this piece uh i was nervous about saying because i'm it's just so sad but i'm i'm just gonna skim over it her kids were transported from the car in the car to the police station it's still in their car seats because um from the lake that's the only way they could get them there um so her poor kids are having to suffer for 10 nine days while she's bullshitting everybody it's disgusting so obviously South Carolina went for the death penalty. They're like, this lady did it. She confessed that she did it. Um, so her defense, here's, she raved her right to a bond hearing on um, November 6th. 
and they buried, and that same day they buried the kids, or well, around that time they buried the kids in the same casket. So I think that was an interesting thing. Normally they, you know, you bury one and yeah, one, yeah, but yeah. they put them in the same one. Huh, that's um, interesting. Yeah. So they had the, the funeral on uh, three days later. The, the yellow ribbons turned into blue, which is like a sign of remembrance. And then, of course, they had like a big, like, you know, thing at the bottom of the ramp there where the kids were put into the lake, like a big remembrance of all these teddy bears. It was really it's just, it's just horrible. Um, and then, of course, uh, shocking, everybody fucking hated her, especially the black community, because they're like, fuck they you. Yes. Like, we have nothing to do with this bullshit. How dare you involve us in this crap? So. Jinkies, I was right. <laughs> you were right. She was the cunt. Shocking. Now, here's where it gets interesting, okay? So this is where people can be two things. This is where it turned for me, too. I was like, what? Okay, so November 16th, they started her trial. She, she got a public defender, Judy Clark. But then her parents, her parents, hired a high-profile defense, defense attorney in death penalty cases. His name is David Brooke. This fucking dude is a genius. This guy is fucking smart as shit. Um, you guys will have to watch this documentary that we're going to link. It's so good. Like, he is a very... He's a good defense attorney. If I ever get in the murder, go find this motherfucker, okay? Okay, what's his name again? David Brock. <laughs> so, and Judge William Howard um, presided over the case. He banned all the cameras, and he put everyone on a gag order who was involved in the case. He's like, look, it's already high profile enough. The world knows about it. We don't need any more of the circus here. Um, and part of the reason why this was is, guess what was happening at the same time? I'll let you guess. O.J. Simpson's trial. Oh, she locked the fuck out. So all the way across the country, O.J. Simpson's trial's happening as her trial's happening. And the, the judge is noticing all the crazies that's going on there because it's, I mean, it was publicized. I mean, oh, yeah. I remember watching the Bronco chase. Oh, yeah. Pizza sales went through the roof when it was happening, the Bronco chase. I mean, like, all of it's like a circus. It's a media circus. It's perfect for Hollywood. It gave us the Kardashians. Gave us the Kardashians. I mean, like. If the glove don't fit, you must have quit. Johnny Cochran. I mean, like, this was, oh. like, our world. Our world in the 90s. Like, that was, like, what was happening. It was massive. It was huge news ratings. I mean, anyway, yeah. For those that didn't live it, it was truly amazing. Yeah, it, it was. It was incredible. Yeah. So, so, and a lot of people didn't believe she could get a fair trial in this, I mean, obviously in the county where she was living because, like, everybody fucking hated her. But the defense attorney thought differently. So get this. This is where he gets like super fucking smart. He goes, he thought it would be easier to convince a local jury that she wasn't evil instead of somebody who like was outside because he basically played into the, the local community's egos and basically was saying in, in thinking that there surely couldn't have been this huge monster living among us this whole time and we not know it. So he played to their egos and went, no, oh, we can just stay here. It's fucking genius. Yeah. I was like, dude, that's so smart. Instead of like moving it, because I would move it out of county, but like, no, these yeah. people are going to convict her ass. But no, he was like, no, let's stay here. And then rather say, you guys aren't dumb enough to think that this monster was living among you, are you? Oh my God. Right? Yeah. Super smart. So um, July 17th, 1995, the trial began and they had a verdict in 17 days on like OJ, which took nine months. Um, that was the whole goal that the judge wanted. He was like, I want a speedy trial. This is not supposed to be 
some crazy news, you know, cycle kind of crap. Yeah. Um, prosecution fucked up in that they they had they decided to try to establish a motive. So in South Carolina law, you don't have to, for a murder trial, establish a motive. You don't have to establish a motive. You oh, just have Lord. to say that there's premeditation by one second for a murder. So it could be for anything, right? It just oh, has to be her pulling the emergency brake. Right. But instead they're like, well, we have to write a motive as to why she oh, did it. Oh, Lord. Yeah, they're trying to go all in. It's ridiculous. Oh, don't, sometimes you don't have to go big or go home, y'all. Yep. And this was their reason. Well, she was trying to win back her boyfriend, Tom, who was an eligible bachelor at the time. Um, and this surrounded around the letter that a letter that Tom wrote to her breaking up with her. So I'm just going to go here and I'm not like going to shame people who, who look a certain way, but Tom isn't exactly cute. (laughs) So the whole fact that it's like, ah, he's this eligible bachelor. I'm like, if that's what an eligible bachelor looks like in the nineties, God help us all. (laughs) So you're saying he wasn't, um, Brad Pitt? No, no. He was more like receiving hairline, um, kind of a typical cubicle office worker look. Okay. Which, I mean, hey. I'm feeling you. If that's your vibe, get it. Get it all day. But I'm just saying, like, the whole, like, oh, he's an eligible bachelor. Like, it just doesn't, for me, compute the two. So, you wouldn't swipe the correct way on Twitter? No, I would not. I don't know which way that is. No, no, me either. But, I mean, I'm just saying, like, hey, but if you do, get it. Um, You go get it. You go get it. Exactly. Um, A psychiatrist, like, examined her and ruled that she could sabotage her own offense if she had to testify so she didn't have to testify because she was suicidal and in South Carolina there's two trials one is the conviction mm-hmm. are you guilty or not and two is okay what is your sentence okay. a lot of states have that right so yeah so defense knew they couldn't get an insanity defense because she lied right after she did it so she knew what she did was wrong right they're like there's no way we can prove that yeah um and um they, instead they were like well we're going to show that she's an immature mother and this was a, a part of an attempt to commit suicide because she was depressed. Um, she was examined by a hospital, and she had been suicidal in high school. And the reason why her mom remarried is because her dad committed suicide when she was six. Mm. So this runs in the family. Mm. Okay. So it's not uncommon. And then this is where it really took a turn for me. Her stepdad sexually abused her. Oh, there you have it. And here we go, right? So she was already kind of unfortunately predisposed to being depressed and then at 15 her her news dad is sexually abusing her um up to three months before she killed her children okay so between the ages of 15 and 23 she was sexually abused by her stepdad and that will fuck you up yes it will yes yes it will I'm not excusing what she did, but I can also see there's a lot going on here for her, right? So, yes. And then she's being rejected by... By a man. By Tom. Yep, who seemed maybe like a safety net. He had money, you know, maybe he can give her a better life. He, he can, can take her away. Get her out of that situation. situation. Exactly. It's not about the money. It's more like, I just don't want to be in this situation anymore. Mm-hmm. And maybe her husband, David, wasn't able to or couldn't provide that or whatever. Maybe she didn't tell him about the sexual abuse. Anyway, also her stepdad at the time was the chairman of the Republican Party in the area. Just want to throw that in there. Not saying anything, just throwing it in there. That's all I'm going to say about that. Mm-hmm. Anywho. Um, 
because maybe it, he was grabbing pussies. Oh, possibly, possibly. That is what you do with women, so mm-hmm. that makes total yeah. sense. Yeah. Because the defense was. Oh, called, he literally was grabbing pussies. He actually was. Okay. But I mean, like, we don't know anybody else's. Maybe he sounds like he was a true scrum scumbag, like mm-hmm. a real piece of shit. Uh huh. So we don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he who he voted for in um, the previous election. I don't know if he's alive anymore. Let's just hope he is serving time. For these crimes, because... Yeah. Anyway. Um, the, because the defense was claiming that she was depressed, but not mentally ill, the prosecution, this is a weird South Carolina law, could not have a psychiatrist of their own come in and examine her. So it worked in her favor that they actually didn't claim insanity. Because then the, the prosecution couldn't get a psychiatrist to come in and examine her to see if she actually was clinically depressed or anything. So... Because there was no insanity defense, yeah. Only the the defense could have a psychiatrist examine examine her to in court to South Carolina law. Isn't that weird? It's a weird law. That is really weird. It's very strange. They could be biased. Ah. They're gonna find a psychiatrist that's gonna say with one way or the other that's could- going to agree with them. I'm not going to say the psychiatrist is going to say what they want to say. They're going to find a psychiatrist that is going to agree with them. With their with their uh, hypothesis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's an interesting little fun fact there. So two and a half hours later, the um, jury came back with a guilty of... A guilty? A verdict of guilty. Oh, my God. For two counts of murder. <laughs> so she's guilty, y'all. I- Shocking. Yeah. I mean, like, she did confess, so that was kind of like everyone kind of expected that to happen. Yeah. Now we're going to go to the sentencing phase. This is where it gets really bad. Prosecutors um, made a video of her make and model car doing the exact same thing that she claimed to have done to her children with a camera on the outside of the car, like, mm-hmm. sitting on the bank, and then a camera inside the car. Mm-hmm. No. Truly disturbing. Do not recommend watching. Trigger alert. Oh, my God. It was horrifying. And, of course, whenever someone sees that in the sentencing phase, you're thinking, this bitch deserves to fry. Like, you're just pissed because you're like, how could you do that to children? Yeah. It took six minutes. Oh, dear Lord, baby Jesus. And that was the prosecution's argument that she had six minutes to save her children, and she didn't. Because she did. She literally had to have walked away because she didn't have a fucking car. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So she's either standing there, or she's walking away. Yeah. And her kids are in the back. I feel gross. Yeah, it's, we're going to move on because it's, it's a fucking disgusting behavior. Again, same thing, jurors, two and a half hours. But this time they didn't go, they didn't go for the death penalty. They did give her life. Okay. Because the defense argument that, like, look, she's suicidal. That's what she wants is to die. Yeah. A true punishment would be to give her life. Which I agree. the defense actually was right in saving her life you're actually punishing her more. It was a very weird strategy. But again, the guy knows what he's doing. Hey, here we are. I can't argue with that. I know. It's crazy. So, but here's what's weird. Okay, so according to South Carolina law, again, you are eligible for parole in 30 years. 2024. 2024, 25. Yep. I already did the math. (laughs) the episode on purpose good job with the math i'm <laughs> bad with the math this time i didn't do math problems in my head and try to figure shit out um that is in like four years yeah exactly 
she's eligible for parole. Now, whether she gets it or not, who knows? Are we going to make her sterile before we parole her? Get ready. It's even crazier. So this is... How old is she going to be? Well, right now she's 50. <gasps> okay. I will say this, though. Having seeing photos of her, um, she's holding up. She looks good. She's either getting Botox in there or something. I don't know. But she looked good. Is she drinking a lot of water? I don't know. But whatever she's doing, I'm like, damn, girl, give me that routine. Because, shit. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So here's, here's, pre, here's post-incarceration life for her, okay? She went to the Women's Correctional Center in South Carolina. Um, obviously, David's father was like, there was no justice done. He was pissed. He wanted yeah. her to die. Which, yeah. understandable, very understandable feeling. From a grandfather. This is a weird fucking fact that was at the end of the Bill Curtis American Justice episode. In 1996, a family of 10 people, including six kids, went to the lake area, that same dock, to remember Susan Smith's kids, Michael and Alex. They got back in the van. The van had transmission issues, rolled down the slope. No. And seven people, including four children, fucking drowned. No, it's haunted. Dude. You know, you you know I believe in shit like that. That's it's some, haunted. That's some bad juju. Y'all, do not go to this lake. If don't you live, go. If you are listening and you live in South Carolina. Please don't go. Do not go to this lake. Don't go. There is a, is there some demons? <laughs> There's some demons. <laughs> it's so insane. So yeah, that was some interesting, I was like, whoa, that is not good. If you live in South Carolina, don't go to this lake. If you're visiting South Carolina, don't go to this lake. 100%. So I did a quick where are they now snapshot. Um, David now talks to others about his experiences and how important it is for families to accept that they need to cooperate with police. Um, but he also understands, like, you know, he also was talking to police. He said, you guys need to have more compassion towards the families because it's upsetting whenever you're claiming that, you know, the husband or the wife or the kid or whatever, the grandpa is guilty. It's it's yes. not an easy experience. So he's saying you just have a little more compassion about it. Um, but he was able to get remarried. He's got kids now, living his best life. Um, he appeared on the Oprah show five years after this happened. Oh, let's go see the O. The Oprah's. Yeah, it was on some special, like, episode. It was It was crazy. Um, and then almost a decade later, David says he's doing well. It's been a very long, tough road, some severe depression, he says, but I'm still here. I'm making it every day. So in 2015, Miss Susan wrote a letter stating, the thing that hurts me the most is that people think that I hurt my children in order to be with a man. This is so far from the truth. There was no motive as it was not even a planned event. I was not in my right mind. As for why she lied about what happened, Smith wrote, I didn't know how to tell the people who loved Michael and Alex that they would never see them again. I didn't want to hurt them. So, and, and as far as her sexual abuse, her stepdad did actually testify on the stand that he did sexually abuse her. So I would assume because it's like in court that he is probably serving time. I didn't get into it. Um, but yeah, she is now 50 in prison and this bitch has gotten in trouble for narcotics, um, a bunch of other shit. And having sex with two correctional officers. So, I know you tried to, you know... I'm just saying... Say she's not the cunt because she did have some mental health issues. She the cunt. She's the cunt, yes. But, I mean, 
the two things can be true. She has some mental health issues. She obviously deals with depression and the need to fulfill her needs by using other people. Right? Yes. But yeah, she could come. <laughs> yes. I was like, what? And the guy they had on this Inside Edition, which, by the way, that's my other source here. They, they Inside Edition, it was so, such a, God, what a tabloid rag. It was so crazy. The guy looks like that she had sex with looks like Santa Claus. I was like, that guy? Um, I think she has a lot of issues. She has a lot of issues. So, yeah. as far as we know, she will be eligible for parole. We'll see if she gets out in a couple years. But that is the story of Miss Susan Smith. If she gets out, we might take this episode down. Right? I don't know. I don't think she was one of those, like, types. Revenge. I'm sure she's had heard and seen plenty of negative things about her. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to let her strap me into a car seat. (laughs) That's for God sure. God dang sure, so. Oh, I went there. Anyway. Sorry, y'all. Sorry if it's a bummer, but uh, you got a good one, so. I'm going to turn us around. Turn us around. So let's just get this little housekeeping out of the way. Um, I went to biography.com and International Women's Day to get my info on the queen, Miss Amal Clooney. Yes. Let me tell you. I love her so much. Me and Amal, we have a lot in common. Tell me. We both have twins. Yes. And we both have twins. (laughs) (laughs) We're best friends now. If you know her, let her know we're best friends now. Absolutely. We both have twins. I can give her the tips. I love it. (laughs) So she was born in 1998. She was born in Beirut, but she was raised in England. She was born in 98? Yes. She makes me feel like a loser. Fuck, man. Seriously, what the fuck have I done with my life? Nothing like me. (laughs) Yay. Yay, yes. High five that. Woohoo. Woohoo. Um, so, (laughs) it gets worse. She's, (laughs) she attended Oxford University and then NYU. Good God. Yeah, she's just nailing it. Before she started her law career. Um, she started with criminal law after law school in 2002. Mm -hmm. And then in 2005, she chose to begin practicing international law and became a part of the United Nations Tribunal. Wow. Yep. And here we are. In 2010, she moved back to London to work as a barrister for a firm that did um, a lot of civil liberties work. And she is the co-founder and president of the Clooney Foundation for Justice. It advocates for justice through accountability for human rights abuses around the world. It has a trial watch program. Um... And it fights for the rights of those oppressed by governments mm. and the sentry and docket programs that, expo- that exposes corruption that violates human rights. Wow. And it also works to protect marginalized and vulnerable communities to support children's education, to seek justice for refugees, and to expose hate crimes. So literally the opposite of Susan Smith's, it was a black guy. Yes. Directly the opposite. Yeah, so what did you do yesterday? Yeah, not that. Mm-hmm. Not any of that at all. <laughs> Literally. Like, uh, sat on ass. <laughs> like, oh my god. Yeah. In addition to the Clooney Foundation for Justice, 
<laughs> since she has been a long-standing advocate for women's rights, she has also established the Amal Clooney Scholarship that <laughs> supports the attendance of one female student from Lebanon to the United World College, I don't know this word, Diligen Annually, D-I-L-I-J-A-N. Yeah, Dilijan, we'll go with that. The World College Diligent. Okay. Annually. Whoa. That's insane. Like, honestly. And she's a mother. And she's a mom. And, and she's a mom. And married to George Clooney. Yeah, I mean, like, the George Clooney thing's like a side note, really. Yeah, really. I mean, who gives a shit? Right, no, I don't. <laughs> like, she, by herself, this is why George Clooney locked it down. Yes, she didn't lock down George Clooney. No. George Clooney locked her down. hundred percent. Yes. So, she guest speaks at many conferences to discuss um, many different things. The Me Too movement, rape as a weapon of war, women standing up for one another. I actually have been blessed and got to see Amal speak before she gave birth to her twins at the Texas Women's Conference. My God. It's amazing. It was amazing. My God. Um, And... She is an amazing speaker. Um, her message is amazing. And she does. T- she did talk about how because she's involved in all these things, there are a lot of people that are out to quote-unquote get her. Like Yeah, people hate her. Yeah. Around the world. Oh, for sure. Because you're trying to push for social justice through the law system for everybody. And that includes like, and I'm, I'm going to talk about recent things like Palestinians and Israelis, and it goes both ways. Like she is probably looking at both sides, seeing the atrocities that both are doing to each other and then going, how can we fix, how can we, how can we alleviate this issue or fix this issue? You know what I mean? And using the law. Yeah. So she actually has power is what I'm yeah. saying. Like she holds enough power and she has the ear of the United Nations enough to where she can then influence change. Which, this is how you use your power as a white woman. Yes, Amal, I think she is, uh, I want to say she is part Lebanese. Yes. And so she is also from a very, um, a, a country that is considered, you know, it's it's Christian and Islamic, from what I understand. A bit, those are the two, like, main religions in the, in the country. So I'm sure she's seen herself, like, a lot of crazy shit against her. And she, like, you know, in she, um, as a barista with the United Nations, she represents um, people that have been ousted from their positions of power in government. Right. So she is not a very well liked woman mm. among certain parts of the world. Right. But she is a very well-liked woman of our other parts of the world. So she's not, you know, she's she's very well-known yeah. among, you know, different parts of the world, good and bad. She's just very well-known. Um, and she does very good things with her status. Yeah. Um. And so I have two quotes from her that I absolutely love. Um, She advocates for courage in the face of adversity, empowers people to 
and a quote from her is to be agents of change. And then she also says, we're entering a new era of togetherness. We are teaching our children. Do they have empathy? What are the values? Do they espouse? And we should all be the agents of change. Love that. A hundred percent. But that's so powerful. What she's saying is like, you don't have to be an international rights lawyer like me to change the world. No. Which is so, see, and that's what's so great about her is she's not like, I'm super awesome. I'm going to change everything on my own. Look at me. She's like, I'm going to use my journey, my path to change what I can. You yours. You use yours. Yeah. Right? Ugh. I love, I love how her. she's saying, what are we teaching our children? Yes. Because that's essentially what it's about. Like, we can be the agents of change, but part of that is, what are we teaching our children? 100%. Because nothing is ever going to change if we don't teach our children to be part of that change. Mm, yes. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And empathy is huge. The fact that she started with empathy with her kids saying, like, were we teaching them empathy? That is so lost anymore. It's so hard. It's not something that is is really valued. I feel like it should be more. because It that, should be. Yeah. Because you don't have to know. Sympathy and empathy are two totally different things. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have to know firsthand what you're going through to empathize with you and feel with you and want things to change for you. Exactly right. Yeah, exactly. Like even like the whole idea behind universal healthcare, let's say, right? Yes. Okay. So our taxes go up, but if that means that somebody who doesn't have the money to pay for a, a life-saving medication or an EpiPen or something can get it for free or next to nothing. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it's, it's so important because it, it is very much a, a cultural thing that if everybody lives with just a little bit more empathy towards each other, the world would start to, to change in a very positive way. Yes. I mean, like, I... So let me fill everyone in real quick. So I have MS mm. and my medication is very, very expensive. I'm very, very fortunate that with my husband's job, I have very good health care, health insurance and um, prescription insurance that I actually do not have to pay for my medication. But I do see how much my medication costs. And this is a medication I have to take. And it makes me so angry because I don't know how people who don't have the good coverage that I have afford their medication. And this is something that saves your life in the long run. Otherwise, your disease would slowly progress until you can't walk or can't move your arms or your... Um, cognitive abilities deteriorate or whatever your lesions affect in your brain. And so it just makes me so angry. Mm -hmm. Even though I'm fortunate enough that I don't have to pay for my medication, I know others aren't that fortunate. And it makes me so angry that this medication is so expensive. Yeah. 
because it's ridiculous. There is no reason why it should be. I agree. There's no reason why prescription drugs should be big business. No, it should not be a for-profit business in the way that it is right now. It should be way more regulated towards the individual and not the corporation, which that's a whole other ball of wax we can get into, yeah, but we won't. Yeah, we won't no. get into that. But I agree. I think it's important that – thank you for sharing that part of your journey because that's a huge You know, there's some thing. people that would be out there that would just be like, oh, I don't have to pay for my medication. That's great. And not, you know. But you have empathy. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> of, hey, that's what, that's what else we have in common. Oh, see, me and them all. You we and them all. Twins, and we have and empathy. empathy. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Hashtag besties. Besties. So this is a shout out to Amal Clooney. We absolutely adore you. We would love to meet you. Please, if you ever listen to this somehow, maybe hit we'll, us up. <laughs> maybe when we throw up our episode, we'll at her on some at, socials. Yeah, exactly. We want to meet you so bad. You can leave your husband at home. Totally fine. Yeah, we really we just want to meet you. We don't want to meet him. No. no. I mean, and I don't I don't have anything against him. Oh, no. But I'm like, He's, I mean. Of the two. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're so, the one we want to meet. Exactly. Who says that? Who says we don't want to meet George Clooney? I mean, I people mean, who love him if all. he were to show up, yeah, we wouldn't be mad. We wouldn't. We wouldn't hate it. No. But yeah. Yeah. So well, awesome. That was phenomenal. Love that. And thank you for sharing and doing all that research about her. Thank you for doing the sad research. Yeah, this week. you know, it is what it is. Let's just hope she stays where she's at. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um. Well, thank y'all so much again for listening to us. Seriously, so appreciative of all the support. Um, Don't forget to like and subscribe on your podcast listening network app. Network wherever you listen to it. (laughs) Yep. Um, And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye.